0: I'm still learning, you know, with each job I do, I learn what I'm really good at, what I really love and what stresses me out or what I struggle with. So I don't think the learning curve ever, ever stops, but it requires one thing at least is to say yes to these things, to these opportunities. And you have to do things even if you're not sure you're going to like it, maybe, up front, or you're not sure you are able to do it, you're not confident 100%, but you need to take that leap of faith to, to get where you want to go, step by step. Welcome to the Genius Women podcast. I'm your host,
1: Yulia Denisuk, an award-winning travel photographer and writer with work in some incredible publications like National Geographic, Farm Magazine, and more, and this year, you'll see my name in places like Condé Nast Traveler. I'm on a mission to help other women who want to grow their travel storytelling careers go after their dreams while feeling supported, worthy, and bold. If you're ready to ditch your fear and doubt to the side, step into your brilliance, and take action on your dreams, you're in the right place. Let's go! Marion Payer, a.k.a. Lady Venom, is an Austrian travel photographer with a passion for wildlife. At the beginning of this year, Marion traveled to Kenya to learn how the pandemic has affected the tourism industry and conservation efforts there. Marion is one of the co-founders of Prints for Wildlife, a print fundraiser that raised over $660,000 for conservation in 2020 and is back this summer. One of her main goals is to represent more female wildlife photographers in this year's fundraiser. Marion also recently announced her new partnership with Mercedes-Benz Austria, where she is now the official She's Mercedes ambassador for the brand. I've been following Marion on Instagram for what seems like a very long time, and I've been a fan of her, her work, and her philosophy for a while. That's why it's a great pleasure to welcome Marion to our podcast today and have this conversation you're about to hear. We laugh a lot, we learn the story behind Marion's Instagram handle, and we realize that we're both Scorpios by sign. We also talk about looking forward to aging, prejudice at work, women who are not afraid to change at all, and being the welder of your own happiness. Trust me, it's going to make sense once you hear our conversation. All right, let's get into it. I can't wait to get started. Welcome, Marion. Very excited to do this with you today and very excited to have you on our podcast. As you know, I think I've told you this, that I've been a fan of yours and your work for, for a long time, and I'm very honored to
0: have you on our podcast. Thank you so much, Julia. Thank you for having me. and I can only you know return <laughs> all those kind words I'm super impressed with everything you're doing and Genius Women is such an incredible project empowering I think so many females or female identifying people all around the globe so I'm excited to to be here and talk to you about our journeys and see where it takes us. Awesome, me too. So before
1: we get into the journeys I wanted to talk a little bit about one of your favorite images that you shared with me before we got on today and I know you told me this is a hard question because there can be and I I know it's hard for me to choose just one too but I love I love that you chose this one it's so stunning it's just such an amazing image and I, I wonder
0: what is it about this image that you love so much it's always as if people ask you what your favorite destination is, where you want to travel. You know, what is the number one country where you've been? That's the most impossible question. And it's the same It's the same with my photos. But the one that I selected is also the background on my screen background. So that kind of says that I do like it and it has some story to it and it evokes some emotion for me. And of course, I've been there. So I don't know if it does the same thing to people who have not been there themselves. But uh, to describe the moment for you, uh, we've been on safari in Zambia and Botswana. And this is two weeks into the trip. And, uh, you know, some game drives are very successful and others are not so successful. And sometimes you just wait for animals to appear and nothing happens. And sometimes something happens. And this particular evening, we arrived at a new lodge. So we were just checking in and the lodge basically said, "Okay, you have two options. Either you check in now and you relax and you go to your room or you can hop on a game drive right now. And obviously I chose the letter which resulted in me having to uh, be driven to the game drive that had already started. So they put me in another vehicle. They drove me out to the bush to connect with the group that had already gone out. So we were chasing them somewhere in the bush in in the Okavango Delta, actually. And uh, when I joined them, they were like a bit annoyed because they had to wait for me. And yeah, the mood was not ideal. Let's just put it that way. And then nothing happened, really. We were waiting around. We didn't see a lot of animals and the sun started setting and we were basically giving up and be like, okay, let's just have, you know, sundowner drinks and go back to the lodge. And all of a sudden there was like a herd of uh, buffaloes in the background. all of a sudden all the buffaloes started you know running and you saw the dust you know coming off the ground. Oh, so that's what
1: that is what that is in the image? Because I thought it was fog or something, but this is dust from the buffalo.
0: It was a heavy drought that, that year. So it was all covered in, in dust. The Okavango Delta, you know, usually you go on, on boat safaris. There was uh, in that year, no, unfortunately, no way to go on boats because it was so dry. So yeah, from all the hooves of the buffalo, the sand was covering the air. And then we saw why they were running away. And it was a group of lions chasing and hunting the buffaloes. So we followed them for two hours and until it was already dark and, you know, the photo is grainy and it's not perfect and it's not sharp and it's not 100%, you know, crystal clear, but it just tells this story of how these hunts go. And I I didn't know that before, that this is a very slow process. It's not like the lions attack you know from a bush and they capture one of the buffaloes and then that's it, but it takes hours and hours and they stop in between and the, you know the, the buffaloes start grazing again and the lions just lay down and on the floor and they look at each other and that's one of those moments. So it's the buffaloes looking at the lion, the lion looking at the buffaloes and just silence and us in the in the vehicle just marveling at the scene and it was incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And we'll
1: link to it in the show notes. So for listeners, definitely go check it out. It's it's an incredible image. And for me, when I look at it, you know, what I see in this image, it, it sort of represents to me the honesty that we see in the natural world, you know, the, this honest moment the lioness and the buffalo are looking at each other and they both know what's going on. And I don't know, it's it's so honest. It's
0: very raw emotion there. And you can tell that, you know, the buffaloes, they they have a strategy to protect the young ones and the elderly ones. So they would form a circle and then, you know, the bigger bulls would stand outside of the circle. And it's all, it's not by coincidence that that one bull is particularly looking at, at the lioness. But yeah, it's it can be brutal as well. But it it is very honest, as you say. That's what it is. I think a lot of people, like first-time safari goers, can be quite shocked by the, the brutality of the hunting and the killing
1: what do you love about this work? Because you do a lot of different things. You are a Instagram content creator, you're a travel blogger, you have your own amazing blog, you're a wildlife photographer, and we'll get into all that. But specifically about, you know, your wildlife
0: work, what is it that you love about it? Is it that honesty that we just talked about that rawness? It's funny that you ask, because it was nothing that I had planned, you know, I, there's a lot of people who have either a connection through their parents, or they live in a country where they, you know they had a colonial ties to some of the african countries but safaris for for people in austria are not something that is very commonly done as a vacation so if you ask people in austria for their bucket list it will be you know city trips in europe or going to the u.s or skiing (laughs) or asia backpacking stuff like that but rarely will it be african safaris and for me it was the same so I hadn't planned this thing; it just happened by by chance. I went on my first uh, safari in in 2018 in, in Namibia, and there is no way to describe the the emotions and the immersion into nature and how it feels. And I don't know why it is like that. There is no there is no rational explanation for me, but it feels like home. It feels like you arrive there and you are you're done. You're like, okay, I, I'm not going back. So sorry. <laughs> I love that you said it this way, because Marion, this is exactly
1: how I describe my feelings when I go to Jordan. I'm like, I'm home. This is home. I feel like I'm home. So I understand what you're talking about, that emotion that, and it's irrational, right? It doesn't make sense, actually. Like, what do you mean this is your home? Like, this is your first time being here,
0: right? I mean, they do say, I don't know, it's also like a myth, possibly, that, you know, all of us, all 8 billion people on planet Earth go back to 10,000 people from from Eastern Africa. So it's kind of the cradle of humankind. And there, you know, I'm not from Africa, obviously, and also the generations before me aren't, but many, many, many generations before we all go back there. And there is some sort of tie that we still have. Maybe it's irrational, but maybe there is something scientifically proven about that as well. Who knows what happened in Jordan? <laughs> there must be something there as well.
1: Well, you know, if we want to go into that, that territory, I, I am not a religious person, but I am very mystical and spiritual. And I feel certain ways in certain places. And in a lot of the places that draw me, one of them is Jordan, the other one of them is Istanbul. First time I set foot in that place, I feel like I've been here before in some prior lives, in some prior worlds or something. And of course, it's very difficult to explain that. It's It doesn't
0: make any sense, but that's how I feel. And it's a very strong feeling. There must be some parallel universe or something where you live in Istanbul, in Jordan. <laughs> Who knows? Something. It has to
1: be. It has to be. So in one of the interviews that you've had, you've been named... Austria's travel blogging Instagram pioneer, which sounds super amazing and impressive. And you've also collaborated with different brands like Mercedes Benz, like Nikon. You work with luxury hotels, with you know safari camps in Africa. Like your resume is super impressive. Did you always know that you wanted to be a creator and to work in this creative industry? Or was it more calculated or was it random, I guess, my question? And what were your dreams
0: uh, when you were growing up, when you were uh, a child? Actually, I don't remember. I had a childhood vision of what I would become. The only thing I remember is that I would record uh, fairy tales for my little brother. So I would make up fairy tales. So I, Maybe, you know, being a storyteller in kind of a way was already there as a dream. Later, I probably found out that there's no job like that <laughs> in the real world. I signed up to study journalism. And I kind of got distracted on the way, let's put it that way, by Instagram. <laughs> so I, I actually considered myself to not be creative at all. I thought I had lost that with my childhood. And I was at a point where like, okay, even during studying, I switched my specialization. I switched from journalism to media management, which is more of the, the business side of, uh, of media, because I thought this would more fit my current mindset i was more into marketing and more into selling and the business side of things and then uh, thought i'm not creative at all until i signed up on instagram in 2011 so that interview that you quoted (laughs) that's uh, kind of true for austria i was among the first in in austria you know instagram came into being in 2010 and i signed up early 2011 so i was very early on and very active as well so i used it obsessively i have to say (laughs) And this is what kickstarted everything. I didn't, you know, take photos until then. I didn't have a camera. I had no idea that this could be a path for me. And it all unfolded very, very un- organically from that.
1: That, that's amazing and something that you said there is something that I hear and I see a lot as well and that's why conversations like this are so exciting to me that gosh what happens to us when we grow up like we have all these things that we do as kids right and by the way we need to swap our uh, fairy tales writings because I used that's to do incredible that too, you still have them I do, I do, I do. They're not here, they're somewhere in like my mom's files or something, you know, but I remember these like little green notebooks that I had. But like, what happens to us when we grow up? We lose all of that, right? We lose, and we're like, oh, I need to get a real job. I need to get something sensible, something that pays the bill. Yeah, it's insane. And
0: also, I think there's a phase where you lose, you know, your, how is it called in English, your knowledge of what you're able to yourself and your confidence somehow.
1: Yes, because the world tells us from all the directions it starts telling us no, this is not for you. You don't fit in here. You you're not good enough for that, right? And and when we were kids, we I don't know, we we don't listen to that, I guess, or we're like we just have
0: our own And also, I mean, I'm a little older, so there was no social media there. All these things were not existing back then. So there were only very traditional paths you could take to become a creator. So you would have to be able, you would have to be employed by a media outlet or some newspaper or whatever. So it was more restricted in in those ways. So, and I knew I didn't fit in there because I, you know, I didn't even read the newspaper myself. I read magazines and I was like, yeah, I'm going, maybe I can go, you know, be writing for this and that magazine. That would be incredible. But obviously lacking connections, lacking the network and the confidence, I chose another path. And now there's a lot more on offer, which I think is, it's amazing on the one hand, because it gives a lot more options and a lot more flexibility in, in the paths you can choose. But also I think it can be quite overwhelming for young people to choose amongst, you know, all these Different options. So it took me—at least me personally—it took a while. I was well into my 30s until I, I, you know, finally quit my job and chose the path that I'm on now. So it's never too late. That's that's the main takeaway, right? It's never too late. You can be in your 30s and you can change careers. And my mom did that in her 40s in a different time period as well. So it's never too late if you find what you're passionate about. And I think this is for me. This was the bigger struggle. There's Kids, you know, they're passionate about music. They know exactly what it is they love. But I didn't have that. I had to dig my way deeper to, to find that. Yeah. And I think the way or a way, not the way, but a way,
1: towards that is trying a lot of different things and we have this sort of idealized vision of you know oh just one day I'm walking down the street and all of a sudden my passion strikes me and I figure it out and I know what I want to do with my life but it doesn't really happen like that
0: right it's really like trying a lot of different things and seeing what stirs emotions in you. I mean even within photography, you know there's so many niches and so many different paths to take. And then even within the niche of travel photography, again, so many different options and paths and I'm still learning, you know, with each job I do, I learn what I'm really good at, what I really love and what stresses me out or what I struggle with. So it's I don't think the learning curve ever ever stops. But it as you said, it requires one thing at least is to say yes to these things to these opportunities and you have to do things even if you you know you're not sure you're gonna like it maybe up front or you're not sure you are able to do it. You're not confident 100, but you need to take that leap of faith to to get where you want to go, step by step. And I don't think it ever ends. Unfortunately, like we will never be at that point where we're like, okay, I can lean back. I'm there. I'm, I've done it.
1: I'm settled now. I, I got it all figured out. Yeah. And and I think that's also one of the reasons why I felt like we we've connected so well is that like that thing you talked about earlier about not being afraid to reinvent yourself and change things and start over and like your mom doing that in her 40s like you know I'm I'm gonna be 38 this year and I I am looking for models of women who are amazing in their 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s are not afraid of aging and are reinventing themselves and even on Instagram you know there is one one woman I follow she's uh Lebanese that lives in Canada and she's I think 55 or something and I don't know, just the way she lives her life. You know, I want to see that. I want to see that I can grow into that and not say, oh, you know what? You're
0: 45. That means you cannot do anything anymore. You're too old. Unfortunately, these days, I think there's a lot more role models that are also kind of attainable and are more close to us and that we can, Mm. you know, see ourselves in. Back in when we were ch- children, right? Our role models were maybe some pop stars, <laughs> some, I don't know, singers. But now there's a lot more people who are more on, on eye level with us that we can look up to or look to without up. I met an incredible woman in, 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 in Kenya, I just have to tell tell you real quickly, because she's like in her late forties and she works for one of the lodges that we stayed at. And she she's based in the Netherlands, but because of COVID, she was like, Okay, no, I'm just gonna work remotely from Kenya. I'm just going to that lodge, I'll work from there. And she you know, just packed a couple of her belongings and went there, not knowing when she will be able to go back. Of course, like that's a situation of, of privilege that you can do that as well. Also, you know, no no family ties no children that she has to look after but yeah she creates her her own destiny and you know and that's 10 years from us now so (laughs) it's looking promising it is and and you know it's it's
1: funny recently I've noticed the shift in me that I'm looking forward to becoming that woman because before I used to be honestly I I used to be afraid you know I don't have this by a certain age I don't have a family by certain age I don't have everything figured out like there's so much pressure on us right but I don't know, something's changed in me that now I'm like, I can't wait to see how I am when I'm 45 or 50 or 60, you know,
0: and that's a way to like age, right? To not be afraid of it. I couldn't agree more. We're very lucky that we get to, you know, look to these things and that we are at where we are now, in our 30s so that we have found at least partially our passion and partially also what we're good at and that we can still, you know, form and evolve even further into that and dive deeper into that. And I think the older I get, the more narrow the things that I want to do get, which is kind of, it is intimidating in some sort of way because I know much more what I don't want to do anymore. That it's like, it's getting less and less opportunities there, but they are much more fulfilling. So it's a narrow, but it's a, it's my path. It's a very individual path, but it's, it just fits me like a glove.
1: Yeah. And I think that's really the journey of life is figuring out what those things are and following them. And yeah. Oh, that's, that's awesome. That's, that's really awesome. Well, before we get into some of the other things that I wanted to ask you, I've always wanted to ask you this question, and I'm so glad that I now have the opportunity to do that. But tell me what is the story behind Lady Venom, your Instagram handle? I love that handle so much. And in my mind, I've created stories that it's about, oh, well, she's this, I don't know, she's this beautiful snake or she's this scorpio that goes through the desert. There's venom in it. But I don't know, maybe I'm completely wrong here. So tell us. I love those
0: images. You know, I've been struggling with that name, actually, because when I signed up on Instagram, this was not a career uh, move, but it was me privately signing up and just using that same username that I had before on all the other platforms. So on Facebook and on uh, Napster and (laughs) ICQ and things that young people don't know anymore. So I was actually thinking about changing it, but it goes back very simply to a song. So I was uh, very much into into hip-hop. So imagine me with baggy pants, skater shoes, the whole drill that was me in, in, in my younger days. And uh, it's a song title of a band called Swollen Members. The song is called Lady Venom. But I chose that specific song because there is a dancer in that song and she has a Scorpio tail. And I'm a Scorpio we have some venom in us probably sometimes. So I did identify with, with her mm-hmm. in some ways. So that is my personal connection to that song. And I still, I stand by that song. I still like it. Even though I don't listen to hip hop so much anymore. Gotcha. I'll have to find that that song and listen Please to do. it Please do. It's still on YouTube. I,
1: I relate to that a lot, actually, because my own handle In Search of Perfect Actually, for me, it was a translation from a Russian phrase and you could translate it either in search of perfect, but also in search of beauty and actually more about the beauty than perfection. And I struggle with that so much because I'm actually all about not being perfect and how that's so
0: hard on women to be perfect. I see where you, yeah. So you are struggling with your own predicament in your username, basically. I get that. Exactly the same exactly
1: yeah but also I've had it for so long now and people sort of know same for me and... and no one knows
0: my real name so it's like I'm stuck in that but yeah at some point, we might change that because, at least with me, it's like that. If I meet people who have never, you know, seen my Instagram account or whatever, they sometimes have very weird associations. So they're like, Oh, right. So, what do you do back in your cellar in Austria? So, you know, you you catch men and put them up on the steps. That's more the idea that they have. So, I do prefer the
1: images you have in your head. It's funny. I didn't get that impression at all. But no, I, for me, it was just intriguing, you know, it was very intriguing. So good to know they actually. Story. So, speaking of Instagram, you mentioned somewhere that even after becoming, you know, a suggested user on Instagram, like you, you were one of the first adopters. You were going on photo walks and, and doing all that stuff. Even after you, you know, already had a following and and started getting more involved with the app, you still viewed this what, let's call it a profession, I guess, as a hobby. So what was that point where you are like, oh, you know what, I can do this. I can do this full time. I could make this into my work. And was it difficult to get to that point? Because the reason why I'm asking that is because I think a lot of people are interested, right, in creative careers and creative paths, but getting to that moment where you're like, you know what, I can do this. This can be my thing.
0: Yeah, it's very different for for different people. So I myself, it took me a while. It took me a couple of years actually. So from, you know, being a suggested user, gaining all these followers to then getting my first offer, like a job offer or a project offer to create content for for a car brand in 2013 or 14. This was like an aha moment. So I realized, okay, there is something to it. This has some kind of value that could potentially you know make money in some sort of way but then it took me three more years to build that career next to my regular office job and i did that on the weekends at first and then i reduced my job to to like a part-time job always in the illusion that i could keep that part-time job forever as like a security backup or anchor because this, this is just how, I don't know why, because my mom did the complete opposite. Like she quit her job in her forties, I told you, and she you know didn't even have an education or anything. She just built something new from, from scratch. Maybe I was afraid of that. So that's why I built it slowly, gradually next to my job, always hoping that I could keep the job. And then after half a year, what happened is that in that office that I was working in, they had like a huge process where uh, consultants came in and they were redistributing people within the organization. And I would have... My my boss got uh, kicked out, actually. So they wanted to move me to a different department. And I was willing to do that, actually, because it sounded intriguing, interesting, uh, new department. But then I had one a talk with my f- new boss, potential new boss. And I was like, no, I cannot work with this guy. like It's impos- impossible for me. He was condescending and he was like he put his feet up on the desk while talking to me and it was all super uncomfortable. And this is what I needed. You know, this was the, the kick in the butt that I needed to to quit the job. So it was a very, very slow process. It's not that I would recommend that, but for me, I couldn't do it any other way. Like I was, I don't know why, but I was too afraid to to go full into into self-employment. And when once I, I did in 2016, like now there's no way for me to go back ever. Oh, I, I I feel
1: that sentiment 100%. I I feel the same way. Like I, I don't see myself in corporates or, or or in that type of work ever again. You did some crazy things. Like you did
0: some really hardcore.
1: <laughs> yes. But, but but what I like actually, I I love that you you shared this part of your story with us because this is I actually think more people need to be talking like what you're saying. Because we have this idea that it's like this, right? We quit a job and, you know, we start building this new thing and overnight it, it, it works. In reality, I think the, 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 re, the reality for most people is not that. The reality for most people is that it takes time. It takes a long time to build something, to, to build relationships with people, to build your work, to know what you like, what you don't like, to know your worth, to charge enough money, like all those things, they take so much time, you know, and there is no shame in that. And there is no, it doesn't make you any less of a talented, worthy, capable
0: person, if it's going to take you three years, five years, however many years. So I think it's uh, just impossible to be stressed out by, you know, Forbes, Ferdy and the Ferdy or whatever other lists there (laughs) because yeah it would deter you from from your path and maybe your your path or my path in this way as well is not that linear and not that clear at first and even if it's clear even if you know as a 10 year old you know i'm going to be that i don't know guitarist and play for that rock star band or whatever it might also take you forever or a decade or longer to to get there but but there there i don't think there is a way to jump over these like holes and just make it quicker by force sometimes you have to accept that the path is a little winding and a little slower but it will lead to it will lead to things it will lead to at least knowledge at least experience it will lead to confidence so it it has its value to take a slower path sometimes
1: so long as you don't stop right so long as you don't stop because what i see often and particularly in this you know in 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 the travel journalism side which is my side of of this industry you know people pitch somebody once and they don't hear back and they're like you know what this is not for me this is this means i'm not good enough this means i don't have what it takes no listen you just pitch somebody once like it's not how it works you need to pitch people 10 times 20 times however many times it takes you know and that's that that piece that you were talking about earlier about the passion the passion is what sustains us on this because it's like, there's nothing else on this earth that I would rather be doing. So I'm going to keep
0: pitching until I get to where I need to go, you know? It's like a force of nature. You cannot do any other way anyhow. Like, I learned things that, for example, in Austria, at least in August, there's it's a dead month. Nothing happens in August. So you can pitch as much as you want in that month, but you won't get any replies. You won't get any decisions. So, you know, as you said don't stop but maybe postpone <laughs> and do it at a different time so i think you'll you learn these things but there is there is no way to stop there's just no way i would do anything else i might you know change my pitch i might i might you know put some little twists to it learn more about the company that i'm pitching to why would they say no maybe ask even for feedback and then learn and perfect your pitching skills along the way as well
1: Yes, absolutely. That's how you get better, by doing. And that's that's the only one of one of the best ways I think is is by doing. So I wanna I wanna take this this chat into a bit a bit different direction. You know, that image of your new boss sitting at a table with his feet up and being condescending, you know, and, and you and I actually talked a lot about this in different spaces where we intersected. We talked about this on Clubhouse as well. I feel like for every woman creator that we meet who is amazingly thriving confident empowered there are 10 women behind her or maybe even hundreds who are struggling who are unsure who are who are feeling stifled who are being put into boxes who are being passed over for opportunities and promotions you know and like there's still so much to do in our industry but you know across in different industries in terms of women getting the seat at the table so what i'm curious to sort of hear your thoughts on in in your own space right and particularly as you're getting into wildlife photography that's a very male-dominated space so how do you how do you feel about the direction where we're going is it are you hopeful are you feeling like we need to do more?
0: Maybe just to pick up on what you said first, like for every, you know, amazing role model woman, there's 10 or 100 uh, struggling ones. Even the one amazing one is struggling at at times. I think that's also very important to, to recognize. Like even the people you look up to, you don't see what's happening behind the scenes. You don't see how many times she has been passed up for an opportunity that she would well deserve how many times she had to fight against other other prejudices or whatever, yeah. So there's a lot of, I think, unfortunately, a lot of these things have not been made public. And this is what makes me very hopeful, that this debate is becoming more and more public that there's more and more awareness and not just among women but also among men
1: because that's where the change needs to happen right it's like it's like the conversation about anti racism work like black people don't need
0: to do anything we need to do the work right it's the same principle It's true. It's 100% true. So we need them as allies, such as black people need need uh, white people as allies, 100%. And I think this shift is happening. And this is incredible. So this is goes back to our mothers and our grandmothers. And we can be thankful for what they did, how they raised their sons, to be more respectful, to acknowledge that there is sexism. I think that's the first step. Even that hasn't been, you know, the standard. So these things are changing. And then there are examples of men really, you know, actively playing a role in doing things. I know, uh, for example, one, like a marketing guru here in Austria, and he's invited to conferences all the time to speak on big stages. And last year, he publicly announced that he would never uh, go on a stage at a conference again if there's not at least 50% female uh, panelists. And this is, you know, it's not a tiny step. It's actually quite a big step, but it created change. Immediately, these conferences that, you know, were working with him, for years, they knew they had to change, so it put a lot of pressure on on them. And you know, that's one ally, one ally changing the whole conference, marketing conference scene in, in the German-speaking market. And I think there's more and more people like that. Amongst, of course, you know, women like you who create these incredible networks where we empower each other. That's uh, is so invaluable and incredible that you you know doing that in your spare time, basically. So I, f- I think there's a lot of movement movement happening. It's gonna take a while. everything takes too long anyhow but there is movement for sure and wildlife photography is uh, it's insane it's an it's unfortunate how insanely sexist and racist it is still to this date and this goes back to colonialism and goes back to all these historical things and this might take even longer to to change but it's happening like awareness is there and this is the first step. And then there's, you know, people uh, like Amy Vitale, there's role models who are incredible. There's Girls Who Click, which is a group of female photographers, you know, working with mentorship programs, bringing young women to the of uh, photography scene. So there, there is change happening.
1: Yeah. And I, I think it's also generational in some ways because, you know, What gives me hope is seeing people younger than me, how they have no patience to deal with the stuff that (laughs) we had patience to deal with, you know, and that's good. We need that. And that's how change is going to be even faster
0: because, man, they're like, you know, don't give me any of that BS. That's true. I think there's a lot of, you know, bashing of the young generation, how woke they are, as if that were a, a bad thing. But it's, uh, it's over, long overdue, long overdue. And yes, it, it can sometimes be unsettling and unnerving, even, especially, you know, when you notice your own, own flaws and your own faults, because we have been brought up in that society. Like we are a part of it. So. I have internalized misogyny and sexism and I have to work on myself and it's very uncomfortable calling yourself a feminist and then you know being caught doing something not feminist (laughs) and that happens and that's good it's a good thing it leads to to uncomfortable but good change yes I I love I love that you said
1: that because it's normalizing the uncomfortability or that feeling feeling of discomfort right because just in, even if we like sort of zoom out and look at life in general, I think for a lot of people, comfort is prioritized above everything else. But that comfort leads you to places where you are falling asleep, actually, in, in many different ways, right? Because what it also takes to lead a life where you feel like you're, you're
0: passionate, you're working on all these stuff, it's discomfort, Unfortunately, that's very true yes I mean i'm I'm probably a very bad example because I do like things to be comfortable as well. so i I also think there is a huge over I don't know if that's an English word overvaluization of success. so people put too much value on success and I think that's a huge trap that that we all fall into and i'm I'm quite good at that, I have to say at like deterring those things and Being clear what I want, and it's not a standard definition of success, maybe per se, but for me, that is the ultimate goal and it involves a level of comfort. So yeah, I'm, I'm struggling with discomfort sometimes, but this is, I think that's a fine line as well. To find the zone. And it's a dance. It's a dance that you keep dancing as you move through. That's life. a good analogy. I like that. Yes, it is. It is. And sometimes if a slow dance is very comfortable, sometimes you have to <laughs> get into the techno moves. <laughs> yes. I love that you brought us into the space of
1: discussing success because I've thought about this a lot too, because especially lately. You know, if you look at me and my peers from my prior life, I haven't advanced in the corporate ladder. I don't make as much money as I used to. I don't have a white picket fence house and all that stuff, you know. But I, I define my own success in this way. Sunday night, am I excited for Monday morning or no? And I am so freaking excited for Monday morning for the past five years. That's been my life. I'm like, I can't wait to work on the stuff I'm working on. And for me, that's like, you know what? That's all that matters to me you know um sorry i'm even having goosebumps like talking about it. i this. mean
0: that's so important so i think people need to step back from whatever is portrayed in media as success and find their own version of it and for you it's this description of your sunday and anticipating monday and for me it's my freedom it's my creating my own fate and my own journey and very much being my own how do you say in, there's a very nice German saying, you, you're your Glückes Schmied. So you're, I don't even know what that means in English. It's someone who makes, you know, ironwork. And he's ironing his success and his luck and his happiness.
1: Ah, oh, I love that. I love it. You take, you're taking iron ore and you're like molding it into shape that you want. Exactly. Basically. So you're
0: welding maybe your own shape or whatever you could call
1: that. You know what? We have that same in Russia. We say the welder of your own happiness is...
0: is That's is amazing. The there needs Russia. to be some English version of that. <laughs> we have to look it up. Let's
1: trademark it now. So I want to sort of ask you more about your project, Prints for Wildlife. Tell us more about how that started. And I think you mentioned somewhere that one of your goals for this project this year is to feature more women wildlife photographers, which is amazing.
0: So the, the whole project summarized in uh, hopefully two sentences is that we created a fundraiser for African parks by selling photo prints of over a hundred very incredible wildlife photographers, acclaimed, world-renowned ones, alongside emerging talents. So it's a very diverse group of, of photographers. And they last year they donated their photos, so each donated one or two photos, and then we sold them for one hundred dollars each, and hundred percent of the proceeds after printing and handling went to African parks. And you know, I'm I never worked in fundraising. I had no idea <laughs> how fundraising works. <laughs> I just jumped into that by chance again. So Last year, when when COVID hit and I was at home and my planned Africa safari trip was canceled, I started to read a lot about how, you know, industries, uh, nations are coping with tourism just being uh, on a standstill. And there was a huge media uh, wave about how happy wildlife is. Now, you know, that humans are confined to their own four walls, animals are jumping around, you know, the dolphins are returning to the channels in Venice. There were all these stories about happy, happy wildlife and there was not a lot of media debate about conservation and how conservation is closely tied to, to tourism and how without tourism, conservation is in, is struggling. And this was the initial idea to create more awareness for what is happening in conservation without tourism. And then I thought about a way to do something about it. And a print sale was just a logical thing, like. We, I knew photographers, I knew they would donate, I talked to to P. Arts, the uh, Dutch photographer who I did the fundraiser with, and he was on board immediately. And basically, I think the same day, we just asked a couple of photographers, we knew if they would donate a photo. And they all said yes, <laughs> we had to, you know, we had to, to do it. There was no way back. And it took us a couple more months. We, we thought we would just do a, a small print sale, just ten photographers donating their photos, maybe raising ten thousand, twenty thousand dollars. And then it became bigger and bigger and bigger. And we raised over six hundred thousand dollars last year within a month, which was mind blowing and such a you know a wonderful, hopeful story amongst all. The, the chaos and depression that the, the pandemic created. So that's why we're returning this year. And this summer, we will come back with another edition of it. I can't wait. That's incredible. That's incredible.
1: So if somebody wants to participate in that, you know, maybe provide their photos, or how how does that part of it work? Are you opening? Is it open
0: submission? Or is it So last year it was chaos poor. (laughs) We just asked people we knew and they would ask their their fellow colleagues. And then when we launched the uh, print sale, we got hundreds and hundreds of emails of photographers wanting to donate their photo. And we were at a stage where it was basically too late. We were like, sorry, it's all been started. The print lab is in full, you know, printing mode. We cannot accept anything anymore, basically. And so this year we decided to do it differently. And we had an open call. So unfortunately it's already over. So we had over 1,300 submissions, which is insane. It was just two weeks that we opened it. And now we have the task to browse through all the 1,300 photos and choose the, the winners that will then be part of the print sale. And this was one of the main goals of the open call was to have more women, to have more also local talent. So photographers who are based in Africa or from Africa, because that's also underrepresented, which is insane, but that's the way it is, unfortunately. So this was the main goal to also create more visibility and and possibility for for these people. But you have to stay tuned because we didn't uh, announce the winners yet. So this will follow in, in June. Amazing. And, and make sure for our
1: listeners, uh, make sure to follow Marion on Instagram at her handle Lady Venom, which we'll link to in the show notes. Uh, she first of all, is an incredible and, and very talented photographer and has beautiful work. But you know, you can also learn more about her work with Prince for Wildlife and, and other things that she's doing. So make sure to follow her and be connected with all of her amazing updates as well. So tell me, what are you, what has given you the most hope right now as we're sort of entering this new, cautiously we're starting to venture out, what has given you hope and joy, both in terms of your your own work, but also in general what you're seeing
0: in the world? I think this whole tourism pause was not so bad after all. I think there was a lot of time to reconsider how we travel, what our travel dollars actually do at a destination, how, what kind of impact we create as travelers. So I think there's also like a shift in, in awareness that tourism can be used still as a force for good. And I think part of this was very lost in the last couple of years. So the over tourism debate and everything that has happened for very valid reasons, I think now there's a chance to kind of transform tourism into something of more value again. I'm a bit fearful of there, you know, there's a trend To say, okay, we need, you know, traveling needs to become more expensive, which would mean in the end less attainable for huge groups of people. And I do believe that traveling is a force for, you know, human connection, for understanding, for ultimately also for world peace, which is very cheesy. But it does do that in a way. And if we limit this to like an elite again, like it used to be hundreds. 50 years ago or so i see this is quite dangerous so there needs to be a fine line between altering travel to being more positive force meaning impact in destinations but also still having it attainable for hopefully most people on this planet huge challenge definitely i think i think the challenge is for for the way i see
1: it is for people not to go back to sleep you know because it's so easy to just say you know okay covid is over And like you have good intentions to change things but i think the the biggest challenge that we have as human beings is inertia is fighting inertia because inertia is so powerful you know and yeah going
0: back to just being the same is so easy like New Year's, right? At New Year's, everyone has these great plans for the new year. But what happens is there's no pause in between. Like there's just a second between one year and the other year. But now we had like a thorough pause, like a stop, full stop, actually. So I think this created more room for like really internalizing change and not just saying I will change. We'll see like what reality will tell in the, in the future. But I do feel there is... There has been some changes also really like mentally and yeah, so maybe even sociologically on some level that we learn to, you know, value time again, learn to value our own rhythm, slowing down, all these things. I do believe. We we really felt what it means to to stop and slow down. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah,
1: you're right that we we had we had that time to internalize a lot of that. So I'm gonna stay with your hopeful take on this and on the positive note. Yes. Yes. Exactly. So, what would you say to someone who to a woman who is perhaps already in the creative industry or wants to get into it more and more, but has all of these doubts that,
0: that we've sort of
1: been talking about, what would you say to her right now?
0: You know, I think I told you that story before, but what I did when I was at that point in work where I was really unhappy, I didn't know where to go, I didn't you know, have a career planned out, I didn't have an idea what my passion would be, is that I really put down on a notebook a note how... I want to work in the future, not what kind of line of work or what kind of job, but how I want to work. I'm only speaking about work right now. I mean, of course, you can do that, you know, for your private life, for your I don't know, love life, or whatever you want to do that for. But I did that for my for my career, and I put down on a piece of paper like how I would envision myself to work in the future, only in in house. So I had no idea what kind of a job would be <laughs> a good surrounding for for this, but in the end, all of it came true. It took a couple of years, but all of it came true. And, you know, I found that little note a couple of years later and I looked at it and I was like, wow, I I cannot believe this really happened. It's incredible. So I do believe there is some, you said you're spiritual and you believe in these things. I do think things happen if you put them in motion somehow. And this could be a first step. If you're stuck, just, you know, take time, take a break and put things on a paper. Marion, I love so much that you said that. That's just so perfect because
1: for our listeners who have been hearing me talk about all these things on this podcast, this is one of the key things that I always talk about, which is visualization and envisioning what we want and envisioning that in greatest detail. And that is so powerful. And there's actually scientific studies that dig into why it's powerful and
0: what happens when you do that. So it has some transformative quality. It must have, it must do something. Otherwise I cannot explain what happened to me. It does, and 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 you
1: know what it is actually is that when you put it on a piece of paper, you're almost like giving your brain and your unconsciousness direction on what to notice. Because what you know, we we are surrounded with so much information every day, bombarded with a lot of information, and most of it our brains filter out. We don't even realize that it's happening. It's like this auto process that needs to happen so that we can function. But who decides what gets filtered out and what doesn't? Most of the time, there is no rhyme or reason to it. It's just sort of what happens. But when you put that stuff on paper, you're giving your unconscious direction. Hey, pay attention to this because that's what I'm looking for. And then things starts to happen in your life almost like, Oh my God, what's, you know, what's happening? But it's because you're now noticing
0: things that before you wouldn't have. That makes a lot of sense. That's a very good explanation. So, and you know, this is such an easy thing. Everyone can do that. You don't need money. You know, people will say, yeah, if you quit your job, I mean, you need to have, you know, a financial background or if you want to travel, you need to have time or again, money and putting something on paper. Everyone can do it like there's no reason not to do it even if you're low in energy if you're depressed whatever you can you know put something on paper and even if it's at first you don't know what to put on there there will something will come out of that process of trying to do it
1: yes oh beautiful i love that and uh, yes if you're listening and if you're looking for A little bit of that inspiration and direction and perhaps even clarity. Take some time, one quiet evening, and just put put your thoughts on paper and, and, and put your own vision of what it is that you're trying to do with your life. Put it on paper and you will be surprised how powerful that can be. Marion, I think we have had such an amazing conversation and I feel like I want to continue chatting with you because we feel very much alike, it sounds like. We, we are aligned in a lot of ways in which we view life. And I really appreciate that. But I think we are going to have to close because, you know, three or four hour podcasts that's not, just not a thing. And I want to close with this question that I always close my podcasts with, which is, and, and it's, it's sort of a bigger question, but how would you start answering that? What does it mean uh, to be a woman who is stepping into her brilliance today?
0: Yeah, no, for, for me personally, it means uh, liberation. It is total liberation. You are freed from whatever you know, other people think you should do. You're freed from your own preconcepts of what you should do. It, it is total and utter liberation, and it feels incredible. We're going to close right there because that is beautiful,
1: and that is exactly where we need to leave that sentiment and that emotion thank you so much marion that was such a pleasure to have you on the podcast today thank you for sharing your beautiful thoughts with us
0: thank you so much julia for having me thank you it was amazing and all the best with genius women can't wait what's coming next
1: thank you so much for sharing an hour of your day with us today i hope you enjoyed this conversation with marion and if so please consider leaving us a review so that more listeners could find our show I can't stress how important it is for us to get reviews of our podcast. It really helps to get in front of more people who might enjoy our show. So if you've been inspired by something you heard today or in any other episode of our show, please consider leaving us your review. That is one of the best ways you can support our podcast. Thanks again, and I'll see you next week for a conversation with a surprising twist. So stay tuned.